Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. like my own he's special he's a little brother to me and he and Stephanie and those girls are doing such a great job Reagan and Riley and I am so proud of them and we are proud of them because God let their lives be shaped right here at CLC would you put your hands together and stand on your feet for the wonderful Russ Cripps pastor of Acacia Church Baton Rouge Put your hands together for Jesus Christ. If he's ever been good to you, put your hands together for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is good to be back in Austin, Texas. You guys get better looking every time that I get here. We're just going to roll right through this, but I'm going to just going to preach a simple little message to you tonight um, because there's there's um, there's many aspects that I could preach about Jesus. There's there's a lot of things that I can say about Jesus. In fact, it's a, it's it's never ending. All that could be said about the the man, the God man. Jesus Christ. And tonight will not be an exhaustive conversation or message about him because that's going to take us all of eternity. But this is going to be more of a tiny snapshot of Jesus. That's what I'm calling it tonight. It's just a snapshot of Jesus. Um, it's, it's like this. If I were to get down here like this and try to preach to you guys tonight, it would be a very difficult thing because I can't see you really good. And if I got my finger like this and I said, look at that light up there, how bright it is, shining in my eyes, most of you would not be able to see what light I'm talking about because you can't see where I'm pointing. You can't, if, if your vision is impaired, if I can't see you because of this or if you can't see where I'm pointing because of that, you don't have a clear picture of what we're, of what we're talking about. And so many times, that's what we do. We attempt to point to Jesus, to who he is, to what he is, and to why he is. And obviously there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that sometimes we don't do it justice. We, we, we don't do it as well as, as perhaps we could. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm 100% convinced that there is something within each and every human being that is drawn to God. We want to see him. We want to experience him. We, we want to know all about him. I think that that is the case for every individual. Even those who are relationally far from him, they've got this place of hunger deep down inside of their belly that they cannot express because there's a longing for something more. There's a place of hunger that they cannot express. They probably won't call it that, they probably will try to, to justify it in a, in a number of different ways, 
But if you ever talk to somebody at work and they're just like, yeah, I'm just looking for something. I'm just, I'm hungry for something else. And you know what they're talking about. It's this, it's this longing inside of them that becomes such a longing that they can't quite find an answer. And they almost like long during the process of longing. It, it kind of comes into itself. Let me explain it like this. You've heard it like, you've, you've heard it said this before, but there's this proverbial God-shaped hole inside of each and every individual. And if he is not in there, then we're not right. We're not, we're not whole. We're not put together like we should be. I heard a story one time of a convict in Tennessee, and he had been arrested some 40-something times. He's got me beat. <laughs> and he had escaped every time he had been put in, in prison. Most of his escapes had happened before, you know, whenever you first get put in or you first get put in handcuffs. Or like, you guys have been arrested lots. You know exactly the, the process. You get you, you, the fingerprint and, and the DNA and all that stuff. And everybody's like, yeah, please don't talk about it too long. But you go through this process. And during that process, this dude somehow had managed to escape every time that he was in there. And they did an interview on this guy. And he said something very, very profound. Listen to this. He said, escaping itself has become my prison. He said, I am so addicted to the rush that I get during the process of escaping that that process of escaping has in itself become my prison. Some of us, have tried to escape so many different aspects of our lives that the process of escaping has itself become addicting. That's about a mile deep right there. You can chew on it for a while and maybe that'll, that'll just kind of resonate with some of you. This ties into us directly because we are spiritual beings. We are not body who happens to have a spirit. We are spirit who happens to have a body. And because this thing, this spiritual thing inside of us is not fulfilled, what do we do? We go out searching, don't we? We look for something that we cannot see. We search for something that we cannot find. We point towards something that you can't see what we're pointing at. Some search in immoral sexuality to find the intimacy that they long for. Some search in various social settings to find the belonging that they seek. Some search in drugs and drink to find the bliss that they dream of. Some get carried away in search of careers to fulfill this drive for success that we all like to have. And for most, this spirit-oriented thing within us keeps calling out so loudly that we end up searching in a multitude of places and things and events to scratch this proverbial itch. But if you'll hear me early in this simple little message here tonight, I want to tell you that you will never, never, ever find an eternally satisfying spiritual answer while you were looking for those answers in non-spiritual places. Yeah. 
You have a God-shaped hole that you were born with, that you were created with. And you've heard it said, but, but, the, but the, the square peg will not fit in the round hole. You're trying to put something in a place inside of you. You're trying to put something foreign in there. You're trying to put something that does not fit. And so you search in this place, you search in this place, you search in this place. And I just have come to tell you that there is one answer. And his name is Jesus. You will never find authentic intimacy outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find true belonging outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find the ecstasy or the bliss that you seek outside of Jesus Christ. You will never find lasting fulfillment outside of Jesus Christ. He and he alone satisfies that spiritual place within us all. He and he alone quenches that spiritual thirst that you have. He and he alone fills that spiritual hunger. He and he alone solves your looming questions in his name. Name is Jesus. Now I want you to get what I'm fixing to say. In search to fulfill and nourish this place within us, over the years we have developed a set of tools that we commonly use. Now I'm fixing to mess with some of you and it's going to be fun. I'm going to giggle inside of me while I'm doing this. I'm going to help some of you if you'll let me as well. So many times in our attempt to fulfill and nourish this hunger within, because he is so God and we are so not, we attempt to point to him and we try to learn of him. I said that a little bit earlier. And so these tools have been developed to help us point, and they are called tools like religion. Told you I was going to mess with you. These tools are called prayer. These tools are called scripture. And about now, Brother Johnson is about ready to start pulling up his socks. He's like, come on, Rusty, where are you going with this? Another tool is church. Another tool is theology. So stay with me. Because obviously these things mentioned here are not wrong. In fact, they are a vital part of our lives. Here's the problem. Religion is not the main point. Because there's got to be some sort of organization when we come together. We can't just come together for corporate worship and it be a free-for-all. So we need religion. Prayer is obviously not wrong. It's our way of talking to and hearing from him. And it's critical to every relationship. Obviously, Scripture is not wrong. It's our way that we learn of historical actions as well as breathing in his words that are alive and well. Church is a good thing. It's corporate worship. You get more out of court. Let me, let me, let me just kind of preach to the choir. I know you're here. But you need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. You can be driving down the road and you can be singing, Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And you may have a moment. But I will go on record and tell you that you're probably going to have a whole lot more moments whenever you come together in corporate worship at the church house. Come to church. Theology is a good thing. Theo means God. Ology is study of. It's a good thing to literally study. God, I'm in a master's program now. It's a good thing. But all of these things are good and wonderful and needed, but all of these things are tools. 
All of those are critical to the pursuit of him, but all of those are the hand that points to him. We point to God with these tools, like I pointed at that light up there just a moment ago. The problem comes and it stems from the fact that too many of us have stopped looking at what's being pointed to and their focus is now upon the pointer. And so you and I must have an ever passionate, diligent search where we're going after and we're staying ever focused on the God that the hand is pointing to rather than fixing our gaze on the hand that's doing the pointing. The tools are great, but he is still the source of greatness. We point to him, we sing about him, we pursue him, but he is still what we seek. Efforts pointing to him are vital, but we can't get too focused on what's pointing instead of staying focused on the great God that's being pointed to. Tools help us build, but tools are not the end goal. Activities and efforts are critical in our pursuit of Jesus Christ, but we still seek Jesus Christ. I want to see Jesus Christ. In our searching, we can't be so focused on the hand pointing towards the God that we lose sight of the God. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Whew. That is what this little message tonight is going to be about. It's not exhaustive. All I'm trying to do is point to the one that saved my soul. All I'm trying to do is point to the one that made a radical difference in my life. And that's why I love that's why I love preaching in Austin, Texas. Because all of us love that Jesus that has radically changed us. We all love that Jesus that has radically transformed us and changed us and set us free from the things that used to hold us captive. He's Jesus. Ooh, he's Jesus. And that's all I want to do tonight is just give you a little snapshot. I just want to point to Jesus because I'm not here tonight to impress you. Standing in this pulpit trying to fill the shoes of your pastor makes a man just say. So I did not come here tonight to try to impress you. I came here tonight to simply point to Jesus. I came here tonight just to point to Jesus. I didn't come here to woo you with my words, but I came here so maybe that I could point to the one that could woo you like no one has ever wooed you. My goal is not to make you want to join a church because I've enticed you with great wisdom, but my goal tonight is that I might simply remind you or point you towards a revelation with Jesus that will leave you forever changed. Because his glory is too great for me to cover in 45 minutes. His magnificence is too vast for me to paint in one Wednesday night gathering. His characteristics are too many for me to name. So let me just point to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords tonight. Let me just point to his greatness. Let me just point to his mercy. Let me just point to his goodness. 
His attributes are many, but I'm just going to give you three simple characteristics of his massive plentitude of who he is and what he is. So hear all of these, and maybe one of them will resonate with you as we gaze upon the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Number one, Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. Isaiah 53 and 7, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Revelation 5 and 12, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. So if you're brand new to Christianity and you've heard songs about blood and lambs and whatnot, and you're like, that's just a little bit freaky. Why would you want to kill a goat, bro? What's your problem? What has a little dove ever done to you if you want to snap his neck and split it open and burn him? That's just a little bit strange, Brother Cripps. Maybe this will kind of bring some light upon it because I just want to try to preach to you a little bit by just simply saying that Jesus Christ is the, is the core of salvation. He's the hinge upon which everything swings. Acts 4 and 12. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Before Calvary, scriptures demanded that when sin was committed, blood had to be shed. That's just the way that it was. If a wrong was done, blood had to be shed. Hebrews 9 and 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or removal of sin. So this is where the early days of religious animal sacrifice began. If you did this sin, you bring a dove. If you bring that sin, you bring a lamb, and so on and so forth. But when Jesus came, when Jesus died on Calvary, his blood was a little bit more powerful than a dove. His blood was a little bit more powerful than a goat. His blood was a little bit more powerful than any kind of animal you could possibly bring to the altar. His blood was enough. He was strung up on a cruel cross and he bled for me so that his blood, his ultimate, ble- his ultimate blood would be shed for all sins and would cover all sins. It's one of my favorite concepts to teach in what we call our core classes back at Acacia Church. When new people come in, we try to get them grounded on some foundational beliefs and it's my favorite thing to teach them is about atonement because everybody knows that Jesus died on the cross but a lot of people don't know why he you you see the passion of the cross in the 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 passion of Mel Gibson's little rendition and you're like wow that's amazing and I don't really know why I'm crying because it's so moving but you need to know the why behind the what Jesus Christ paid for our sins because when sins were done, I just read it, when sins were done, blood had to be shed. And so it was this vicious cycle of repeating because he knows that we're going to keep messing up. He knows that we're going to keep on stumbling. So he said, i got to come up with a plan that's going to be an ultimate penalty. I mean, an ultimate payment for these, for these sins that keep recurring. So this blood was enough, and that is why he's called the Lamb of God. He is the core of salvation. Because no other name under heaven is given to us whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, crucified and slain for all mankind. He died for you. He died for me. And as Brother Jay always says, I pray we never get over getting saved. I pray that never gets old to us. I pray we never misunderstand that salvation is coming from Jesus Christ. And we can't do this on our own. We can't accomplish this by ourselves. I know you've heard it before because he said it often. But many times as we search, we get a little bit arrogant and we start thinking that we can do it for ourselves. 
We think I did this at work. I did this right here. I did this so I can probably take care of myself as well. When we do this, our approach to the Christian life is just about as absurd as the enthusiastic young man who had just received his plumbing license and he was taken to see Niagara Falls. He took one look at it for a second and said, I think I can fix this. Let me tell you something, you can't fix this. You can't fix it. If you could have fixed it, you would have already found the solution in all of your searching. You can't fix this. But here's the great news, and it's the anthem of Christian Life Church. It matters not where you come from or how you got here, but you are here, and so is Jesus. And when Jesus is here, anything can happen. And regardless of your past, he is inviting you. He is inviting you to sit down at the table of salvation where it washes away your past and it radically alters your future. Honored guest is what he wants to call you. Read the scriptures. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus chose to sit down with a ragamuffin, loser, sinner, prostitutes. And he said, I don't have time for you religious professionals. I've got to go where I'm needed. In the original Greek language, it says that they're an honored guest. The table called salvation in which you are being invited to dine at is not for the self-righteous nor for those who feel like they can earn some self-appointed state of superiority. The table is not an exclusive club for the rich and famous where the snobbish rules extinguish and deliver who can get a reservation and who cannot. The table that you're being invited to this morning is where Jesus invites the unsaved to sit right next to as an honored guest of the house. The table is for men and women who are beginning to feel welcome even in their current states of imperfection and guilt and shame. The table is for those who understand, as Morton Kelsey famously wrote, that the church of Jesus is not a museum for the healthy saints, but a hospital for sickened sinners. And so, ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome at the feet of Jesus. You are welcome at the feet of the Lamb. Of God. So here tonight, you can learn or you can remember that because of what he did on Calvary, you have access to understanding and experiencing what it means and what it's like to place your faith in him for the very first time. You can understand and experience what it's like to repent of your sins and be walking this way with a little swag and then say, I'm turning around and I'm going this way. And you can learn and you can experience what it's like to go down in the waters of baptism. And you can learn and you can experience what it's like to have your life engulfed and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Because you are an honored guest with Jesus. And just like a rose is not picky about who it smells good to, his grace is not picky about who it is applied to. We all sit down at the table with the one that we call king, the saving lamb of God. And he wants you to understand that tonight. I don't even know if I'm going to get to point number two. But let me remind you that it's critical, as one author wrote, it's critical that we view each and every person not as a hotbed of guilt and shame, but as a reservoir where grace and truth converge to make an eternal difference. We can't see guests walking in Sunday mornings. We need to see future members of the kingdom of God who just happen to be here for the first time. Often hobbling through our doors on Sunday mornings comes grace on crutches. 
battered in the brokenness of their humanity. Sinners still unable to stand up on their own power. And Pharisees who have not yet learned to throw down their false system of support. Yet because of the salvation through Jesus Christ, those who hobble in will always find a table at the grace as your pastor preached and preaches. He died an ugly death on a vile cross to give us abundant life. And if this is the first time that you've heard this good news, then welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are in a place that is going to radically transform your life. And if you've been hearing this a while, then may you be reminded to the point that you're disturbed. May you be reminded to the point that you're disturbed that the Lamb of God died for your sins. And may that alter how you live. May that alter how you operate. May you then learn to live like you're in love with him. Number two, I have got to hurry. Jesus is the carpenter. Isaiah 44 and 13, the carpenter stretched out his ruler. Mark 6 and 3, is this not the carpenter? That's what they asked whenever Jesus walked into the picture. What a suggestive and gloriously fitting profile of him. He who came to mend a broken world ravaged by sin. We don't know a lot about the father of Joseph. We know that he was the earthly father of Joseph. Of course, we know a lot about Jesus, but we don't know an awful lot about Joseph. One account states that he died when Jesus was somewhat of a young man. If that be true, then I want you to understand what I'm fixing to give you here. If that be true, then the burden of the family's carpenter shop fell upon his young shoulders because he would have been the eldest son. Look at the humanity just for a second here, okay? As one author says it, if this be so, then at the carpenter's bench, we have the toil of divinity revealing the divinity of toil. I love this because it tells me that Jesus knew of our reality. He was God robed in flesh, yet he earned bread for the family by the sweat of his brow, so he understands the pressure that you face on a daily basis. How massive is such to consider that divinity would stoop down to the level of humanity just for humanity. Get this. Farmers would bring this carpenter their broken tools. Housewives would bring him broken tables and broken chairs. And children would bring him broken toys. And he would fix and he would mend and he would repair all of them to complete perfection because he was complete perfection and he still does that today you can bring him me you can bring him you you can bring him brokenness. You can bring him all that may be fragmented and splintered. We can bring him brokenness and he knows just how to fix us. How fitting is it that we would give him wood and nails to crucify him on him who used wood and nails to mend us as a carpenter. It was a carpenter. And he took broken tables and he made something out of them. And he took broken toys and he made something out of them. He took broken wheelbarrows and made something out of them. Because that's what he does. He's the carpenter. He takes brokenness and he makes it whole. So I ask you here tonight, is yours a broken home? 
Is yours a broken marriage? Is yours a broken faith? Is yours a broken spirit? Is yours a broken circumstance? Because whatever of yours may be broken tonight, you need to let the carpenter of carpenters step into your world. You need to let the nail-pierced hands mend you. You need to let the nail-pierced feet show you how to stand. You need to let the creator of all begin to make you into a brand new creation. And you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough. You can't get pretty enough. You can't put on enough spiritual cosmetics to make yourself be more acceptable to him. He will take you just like you are with your bad breath and your bad hair and all of your bumps and bruises and warts. Because he's the carpenter. He's the carpenter. And I know that you've searched. You've searched in people and places and things. And I too have searched high and low. But we come up with the same empty feeling because we're trying to put a wooden peg in, in a hole that won't fit. We're trying to put something secular into something that's spiritual and it will never, never work. We're trying to fix us on our own accords and we can't do it. We're not good enough. This is over our head. This is above our pay grade. So tonight, you need to let the Lamb of God reveal himself to you so mightily that you realize that because of the wood and nails the carpenter suffered, he and he alone can truly and eternally fix you. Number three, Jesus is the refuge. Psalms 9 and 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Among the seemingly innumerable metaphors that attempt to point towards his majestic greatness, perhaps the most comforting is the metaphor that speaks of the Lord being a refuge. Because sometimes, like outside, it gets to storming in life and you need a place to run. He is that refuge. A refuge is a place where you can run and be safe from whatever or whomever is pursuing you. And he is a fortress. He is a hiding place. He is a tower. Proverbs 8 and 10 says it brilliantly. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. I've used this example here before. Whenever I was, whenever I was coming up, creating, writing and all this, I, think, I, I said, I think I've used this example before here at CLC way back in the day. And anytime I think of the word refuge, I think of that word chase that we used to play whenever we were kids. Anybody ever play a good game of chase? Come on, raise your hand. Don't lie in church. You know you did. Chase. There'd be one person who was it. And if it caught somebody, it devoured them and consumed them and turned them into another it. And then what? You're right. The new it would chase others around and try to catch them. And we all played it. We all played the game of chase. And we all ran from that it that was chasing us. And let me tell you why I was really good at it. Besides my lightning quick reflexes and my amazing agility, I was famous for calling base. I'm running like Forrest. I'm running. And it is right behind me. And there were multiple ways that you could get out of this. You could be running. Oh, wait, wait, time out. Hammy, 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 hamstring, time out, time out. And if you got a time out, then you could get over to base. Base, 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 base. I can't play right now, bro. Give me a minute. Seriously, I'm hurt. 
Base. Base could be a tree. It could be your dad's broke down boat. It could be a rose bush. It could be a blade of grass. Base, you know, whatever. Base. And it was like when you called base, the world stopped spinning. It's like all rules ceased and desisted and it was over. And then you would act like you had like asthma or something. Or you're like, man, my stomach's kind of been hurting lately, bro, yeah. And then all of a sudden you would always, you'd get healed, wouldn't you? It's like the Lord would just swoop down right into that meeting and he would just say, rise up right now, my son, and run again. And we would take off running. You're like, I'm better, I'm better. And you would go off and you would continue chasing so it would not catch you. I love this because I'm fixing to punch you in the stomach so hard. <laughs> so my question is you, even now as adults, are you still playing the same game called chase? Instead of running from the neighbors down the street, are you running from some grown-up form of captors? We all still run. It's just a variety of it's. That would love to catch us and consume us and turn us into something other than what we are. And my question tonight is, aren't you tired of running yet? Aren't you tired of looking for various things that you can call base? That you can hold on to and think that it's going to fix you? Because you're running and you're, 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 you're eluding addiction. You're eluding something that's after you. And you get to something, anything that's near, and you call base. And you're safe as long as you're holding on to base. It's okay as long as you're holding on to base. And you thought I punched you then. Oh, gee, get ready for this, Jackie. You hold on to base. Until you feel like you've got it on your own again, and then you get back in the game, and you start running again, and you get over here and something's close to pursuing you, and you yell out, base. And we've even gotten so good at doing that that we'll even run to Jesus. And when we run to Jesus and we say, base, the best thing that you can do but here's where we have the problem we hold on to Jesus long enough to where we think that we've got it together and we let go of him again because we think that we can go back on our own I've come to tell you that you need to hold on to base and not ever let go you need to get a hold of Jesus on a level that you've never gotten a hold of Jesus and stick with him in the good times and in the bad and refuse to let him go and the winds may blow you this way and the winds may blow you this way but I am not letting go of Jesus. Don't let go. I got five minutes. Man, I'm doing good. Because he is a base like you have never experienced before in your life. 
He is a base that's stronger than anything you've ever tried before in your life. And again, we hold on to him and we get familiar and we get arrogant and we get cocky and we think, okay, I got it from here. I got it. I'll call you if I need you. And we get back out there in the game called chase and we start chasing things and things start chasing us. And guys, you've done it before. You know that it is going to get close to you again. And so you just run in circles and you run in circles. And tonight, if I can just point you towards Jesus and just let you understand that he is the ultimate base. And that he is the refuge that you can get under. Any of you guys ever built forts whenever you were little? I can promise you my, my fort was better than yours. We built awesome forts, man. I don't, I don't care if you need to look at Jesus as a fort. I don't care if you need to look at him as a, as a bunker. I don't care if you need to look at him as a bomb shelter or a bus stop right across here by Central Market. Whatever you need to visualize him as to where you understand that you can run to him and be safe. Because you're going to find all you're looking for in Jesus Christ. And again, if that's the first time you've ever heard anything like this, then you get with one of these pastors on the front row and say, tell me more about this whole Jesus situation because it sounds like something that I need. They will sit down with you. They make them buy you the cup of coffee. And just talk about Jesus. But if you've been in this thing for a while, as my dad would say, I, I growed up in this, as my dad would say. Can I just, can I just, want, can I just point to Jesus tonight? And I, this is awesome. This, this is God's word. But, but it, it points to him. This is the anchor that you need to put yourself, but this points to him. This is a gathering of worshipers in which we get lost in the presence of God Almighty. But this points to him. Everything is just, it's pointing to him. It's pointing to him. And so I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand, and I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray that maybe some of you, you're, you're, you're just tired of running. Maybe you're tired of playing the game. Maybe you've been looking for base for too long. Maybe you've been looking for a refuge for way too long. And tonight I want to tell you, stop running, man. Stop running. Because you know what? It's just thought of this. This is just not in my notes. This is free. I don't think that the word ever says run with Jesus. I think it says walk. But here's the thing. Ready? Ready? When we stop walking with him, he gets a little bit further up down the road. And so we have to catch up with him. In our minds, we have to catch up with him. And so we sprint to catch up with him. What happens when you sprint? You get tired. And so you sprint and you stop. You sprint and you stop. You sprint and you stop. And it's just like saying, man, just walk with me. Let's just walk. Quit running in circles, playing chase. 
looking for bases and things that you know were not going to fill this place that I created inside of you and just walk with me. And some of you have tried to fix you for way too long and he's the carpenter and he can fix you. He can fix you a whole lot better than Coldplay can ever sing about fixing you. He can fix you. He can fix you. Like, for real, fix you to where you're not broken anymore. And you're not splintered and you're not fractured anymore, but you're whole and you're complete. I know I've said this before in this pulpit. We all talk about being holy. Let me help you. I don't know if we can really ever be holy until we can be whole. Jesus can fix you and make you whole. And then lastly, he's the salvation. He's the Lamb of God for sinners slain. Calvary. The ultimate work of Calvary. So what do you need tonight? Do you need a lamb? you need a carpenter? you need a refuge? Because you can find everything that you're looking for whenever you find Jesus Christ. And again, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm just pointing towards Jesus tonight. I didn't give you a whole masterpiece. I just gave you a little snapshot of Jesus. So I want you to be challenged tonight because you can't fix this for yourself. And I want you to be encouraged tonight because Jesus can. I just want you to bow your heads. Lord Jesus, you see every individual that's in this room. You see every heart. You see every soul. You know how many hairs are on every head that's in this building. You know if a sparrow fell today. Your word proclaims that, and we believe that. And Lord, you created us, and that tells me that you know us. You put on skin to come down here and be among us to see what it's like in this thing called humanity. You suffered and you bled on Calvary because you knew that humanity would break and break often. And you knew that we would need a healer. You knew that we would need somebody that could fix us. You knew that we would need a refuge. You knew that we would need an ultimate atoning sacrifice that could pay the price for all sins, past, present, and future. And so, Lord, my closing prayer is a simple prayer of blessing upon these amazing people here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would literally peer into their hearts right now and I pray that they would allow that to happen I pray that every person in this building right now in the name of Jesus would pull back the curtains of their heart and let you see inside of them and see what's in there let them Lord see the brokenness that may be inside of us see the loneliness see the fear see the doubt see the skepticism see whatever is in there Lord and let us know that you can make us better let us put our faith in you. Let us renew our faith in you. And let us understand that there's not another name in existence that has the power and the authority and the conviction that you have. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with us. If we just saw a little snapshot of you tonight, let it be just enough to let us hunger to experience the fullness of what you have in store for us. We pray all of this in the matchless name of Jesus.
And everybody in the house said in Jesus' name. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.